Welcome to the Strong Life Coach Podcast, where we speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. Today, we're joined in the studio for the fourth time, Kyle Carter. Kyle, welcome to the show. In the flesh. How's everybody doing? Yeah. Great to be back. How's your day going so far? So far, so good, brother. You? Doing all right. Doing all right. Good. I think uh, for me, I'm about 99%. Everything is good in life. 1% kind of rough. Yes. But um, just trying to focus on the good and focus on what you know what I can do about some of the problems that come up. Man, any day that you're not fertilizing is is good to go. <laughs> you're not fertilizing? Yeah. You, know, <laughs> you could be in that dirt, brother. Hey, that's real. <laughs> you know what I mean? Real, real. Yes. Yeah, you know, life has a funny way of changing along the way. You know, I would like, um, I often describe myself, have a rose-colored lenses. I see positive. I, I don't see the glass that even this half full. I see. I see. I have a glass. I have a hand to touch the glass. I have an eye to look at the glass. Yeah. But still, there's times when um, challenges are happening around you, and it makes it difficult to be able to see the glass that way. Yeah. And uh, I know this is a situation. It's not even in my in my own personal life. It's just with a, with a friend of mine is going through a little challenge. But uh, I'm excited for us to be able to talk and talk about something that I think is going to help a lot of people. Yes. And talk about emotions. So I'll give you a quote, and I want you to respond to it. Go ahead. A real man doesn't cry. Uh, let me see. First thing I think about when I hear that again. I'll tell you what. Ask me again, and I'll give you the straight-up answer. It's going to come off the top. Okay. A real man doesn't cry. BS. Okay. Tell me more. Um, to elaborate on, you know, so, some of us is. As men, we try to hold back a lot of things uh, emotion-wise. and You know, the the crying is good with bad. Let me give you an example. Let's mm -hmm. take the NFL Combine, for example. Yes. When you see those guys out there and they're getting their names called, mm -hmm. and they've put in all that work, mm -hmm. high school. You know, let's go back further than that. Little League, mm -hmm. high school football, college, and all the effort and the work that they've had to endure and, mm -hmm. and go through yes. to finally hear their name called on the big stage. And anybody that watches the NFL, uh, NFL draft, rather not the combine NFL draft. As mm -hmm. soon as that their name is called, man, these guys just start balling. Yeah. Because that split second, when they hear their name called everything that they've done and mm -hmm. all the work they've put in for it, it, it becomes reality. Right. And it, it was all worth it. Mm -hmm. You know, and you see family members, uh, uh, crying also you know mom or dad there or if it's just a single parent or you know if aunts and uncles there their, their support system no matter who it is mm -hmm. you know they're sharing the same sentiment and, and it's men and women both because you know a, a lot of times those extra relatives have put in the work to mm -hmm. guide that individual make sure that they were on the up and up and they were supposed to go the route and, and walk down that path that they were supposed to go mm -hmm. to you know and then you have some guys that have just as much talent or even more talented, mm -hmm. but decided to take a different path. Sure. And so they might be watching the NFL draft, but they're in a house all by themselves mm -hmm. in the four walls. And they know their name is not going to be called because the, the, the stupidity, the, the not listening mm -hmm. or, or deciding to do it their way. And they might be crying too. Mm -hmm. but it'd be for a different reason. Sure. Their reason is out of frustration for what they should have done. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, I, when, when my father passed away, 
Um, when when my mm-hmm. brother was tragically killed on a motorcycle, mm-hmm. um, I mean that's at that point in time when you're going through stuff like that, you're not stopping to think. Well, real men don't cry, right? You know, right, right. It's just a natural reaction. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, now for simple everyday stuff, you know. Uh, I pull up at the gas station and somebody pulls at the pump before me and right. I was waiting, right, you know, right. you know, I'm not going to go home and get under a sheet, you know, some hot chocolate and some bonbons, and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, right, start right. crying, you know, <laughs> so that question is relative to the situation that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And you know, what's interesting about it is I, I when even when I use the phrase a real man, you know, I think about what does that even mean, right? Mm-hmm. Or you might think of a man's man or a masculine guy or a tough guy, strong guy, muscular guy. Um, but what I've seen is some of the most uh, dynamic, powerful people that I've ever known, period, the most influential, doing the most um, to help the community, to help people. Um, they've been people that have had the authenticity yes, and the sincerity uh, to be able to shed a tear. And, um, and I don't think it took anything away from their manhood in fact for me it, it almost and even the people around them i think there's almost more respect you know and yeah i, I know we're going to talk about the the mass killings later in the show but i remember when that uh, the mass killing happened uh at the, at the elementary school mm-hmm. and they told our you know president obama about it and he had a uh and he had a tear yes and a tear came down yes but i don't think anybody and, and I, I don't really get into a lot of politics but i don't think anybody looked at it as weakness or he was less of a man yeah but we, i think he was viewed as somebody who cared deeply yeah it and, was even part of his charisma and, and like we were talking about earlier you know it's all relative to the situation what you know you you hear that phrase a lot in what instance are you wanting to use that phrase in reference to mm-hmm. you know um are you looking at somebody who's going through some stuff and you're on the outside looking in and the only thing you can do to help them is to say something like, come on, man, real men don't cry, you know, suck it up. Let's do this or do whatever. You know what I mean? Mm. Or is it something that you're going through in your life to where you have to say to yourself, real men don't cry. And that might be the reason why you're actually crying because you told yourself, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's uh, you know, you, you shed some tears, you figure out what you're going to do and you get up and, and you go on with life. You, you know, you, you can't dwell on what was. You have to figure out what is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And if what is, is you getting up off that couch or you getting up off the floor after you've been crying and figure it out, that's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And, and I think you're, you're, you're onto something powerful when it comes to not allowing the emotions to debilitate you. Yes. And, uh, and not... not allowing the emotions to prevent you from actions and yep. from taking steps toward your own growth, toward your own effectiveness and uh, being everything that you can, but you don't ever want the emotions to cripple you. No, no, absolutely not. Now, how have you seen, how have you seen emotions help you connect with people? Uh, you know, a good example is how me and you met, you know, when I mm-hmm. started um, deciding to, you know, get back into scripture. Um, when I say get back into it as a kid growing up, you know, we were at church four days of the seven mm-hmm. day week. You know right, I mean? right, right. I mean, you don't have no choice, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, you know, you get, you go through your life and 
partying and being single and everything else. And you just, you come to that certain point in time where you're like, you know what? I need to reattach myself to what's important, mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, you know, when we met and getting together with the group, it's funny how, uh, the word of God can put you in certain situations and speak to you about those situations to where you didn't even think that the Bible was applicable to what mm -hmm. you're going through. Right, right. But you'd be surprised how every situation that you may go through is in a passage somewhere in the yes, Bible. Yes. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And once me and you, you know, we got to know each other, you know, mm -hmm. uh, through our wives actually at the church, you know, mm -hmm. and then me and you start talking and getting together, you know, we both have a love for basketball and sports, yeah, right, right, you know, um, combat sports. Well, me more than you, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, weightlifting and powerlifting and mm -hmm. everything else. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, the just being genuine, you know, those emotions, uh, you know, we and me and you got together and we talked about different things mm -hmm. as, per scripture in the Bible and how it can affect you and help you and everything mm -hmm. else, you know? So, um, you know, some of the things that I've gone through in my life, emotion wise, you know, helped me connect with you. Yeah. It, 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 you know, it helped our friendship better because, uh, you can see with me, it's no type of, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, you, I'm one of the more genuine folks you can meet. That's right. That's right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Either I like you or I, or I don't. Don't have to guess what you're thinking. No. You'll just hear it. No, right off the bat, brother. You know what I mean? So uh, it, that that's always been something for me, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I've never tried to hope to hope to, to God not to be something that I'm not, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Right. And uh, I know, you know, in the emotions like we've shared with each other mm -hmm. as far as our fathers are concerned and, mm -hmm. you know, the tragic way and, and, and what happened when they passed away, you know. Sure. Um whether the circumstance might be different, mm -hmm. the actual emotional content yes. that you feel is still the same. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's a, it's being genuine like that, you know, and opening up emotional wise to, uh, you know, be able to sit down and actually have somebody where you find out, well, man, unless that person would have never talked to me, I would have never known he was going through kind that's of right. like the same thing. Yes, that's you know right. I mean? So, mm -hmm. so it's helped me in that way. Mm -hmm. And it, I, and I, you hit this, this powerful point of in life, we're going to go through different situations, different circumstances. But what, I, what I'm learning that I've seen is there's a finite number of emotions. Mm -hmm. there's, there's not like an endless amount of emotions where you could be feeling, you know. Um, but when you think about life, hardship, victory, loss, shortcoming, whatever happens in life, it's not like there's like brand new emotions that, yeah. that are created. Um, I, I, did I did hear about um, one emotion that was created in the 1990s that wasn't around before. And it was the one of hangry. I never heard that. Hanger. Hanger. When you're, when you're hungry and angry at the same time. Oh, <laughs> well, if that's, the, if that's the case, I'm having that emotion right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. How can I go fix this emotion? <laughs> you know? Right. Um, but, but what you, what you said though, is we have these different experiences and we have different emotions, whether they're shown or not yeah. out on the outside. So I'll go through sadness or I'll go through anger. Or I'll go through embarrassment or whatever these emotions are and i'll have these um this feeling and experience that i'm going through but what i'm learning is the more that i 
can share that experience and the, the what I'm going through with other people, we have such a great, uh, we have such a better connection. Yes. Because you're genuine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know I mean? You're not faking like, oh, everything's good no. with me, bro. Like, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. 100% good. Yeah. yeah. But, um, there's that. And then even as a speaker in, I'm grateful and privileged to be able to have different opportunities to speak in front of people often. Yeah. And it's one thing, what, what, what I learned is you could give people the most inspiring quotes. You, you could give somebody 200 quotes in one speech if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. They're not going to remember all that. No. And uh, I think as Maya Angelou had a great quote is people are going to forget what you say. They're going to forget what you do, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. Yes. And as a speaker and as a person who wants to be influential and help people, I'm asking myself that question of as a speaker and the content that I'm sharing, how can I connect with people emotionally? Yes. But it's hard to connect with, with, pe with people emotionally unless I'm aware of my own emotions. Yes. So when I'm sharing like about the story of my dad and his passing, his suicide, I'm feeling, I know the, the, the experience that I had was I felt abandoned. Mm -hmm. I felt alone. I felt um, disregarded, unimportant, not, yeah. not special. Yeah. And I'm sharing, when I'm sharing those in, in a speech, and I won't share it with the same energy I'm sharing now, I, and I know I can feel all of those, th those, I can have that experience, and if somebody's listening, they, they've also been in a similar experience. And it might not be because they lost their dad. It might be because they lost a job. Correct. Or they were rejected from something along the way, and they also feel, felt abandoned, rejected, alone, mm -hmm. not loved, and all of a sudden now we're connected. Yeah. They had, a, they had a, an emotional experience, and I did. They're different, but the same emotions. Yes, yes. Agree. Now, um, how have you seen your emotions disconnect you from people along the way? Um. A lot of times I've said, I'm speaking for myself. Sure, sure. Um, <clears throat> I never really allowed myself to get close to anybody mm -hmm. that would keep me from having to have emotions for anybody. Mm -hmm. You know, um, if, if, I'm, if all I have to worry about is me, then I'm good. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, I found out that emotionally, you can tell yourself that enough times to where you actually start to believe it, then you're in trouble. Mm. You know, and you're like calloused over. Yeah, you know, you're unfeeling. calloused over. You know, you you're you're driving down the street, for example, and you see somebody. You know, a lot of folks are out on a corner. You know, um, begging for change, or, mm -hmm. or or let me not even say begging, asking for mm -hmm. change. You know, maybe they've had a hard stretch in their life and they're homeless and. You know, the callous part of me says, you know, man, go get a job. Mm -hmm. And I got a center console full of coins. Sure. You know, mm -hmm. and, and once you tell yourself certain things like that and you actually start to believe it, mm -hmm. you know, then I've realized from from my standpoint that I'm in trouble. So I've had to I've had to disconnect from that way. And I catch myself saying that in certain circumstances. Mm -hmm. And then I always go back, you know, first thing I say is, you know, Lord, don't let me feel like that, you know, mm -hmm. change yes. my heart when right. it comes to me. Because mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's, it's an everyday battle, you know, mm -hmm. the struggles are, are they're, they're always going to be there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just up to you to, at some point in time, realizing that you don't have to be that way. Right. You choose to be that way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You know, open up and so... so me being hard-hearted 
you know, my wife teases me. She says, I could put you on an island all by yourself and uh, you wouldn't miss me or the kids. Mm. You know, and I remember at one point in time, I said to myself, well, I think about you guys. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When you start going down that road, of, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, well, I think about you guys. You're telling yourself, you know, are you trying to boost yourself up? Mm-hmm. Who you, you're actually trying to prove to yourself that you yourself are strong. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm looking in the mirror and telling myself, you can do it. Mm-hmm. You can be hard hearted. Mm-hmm. You know, when, they, when the actuality is that, you know, you've taught yourself to me. It's just like hate. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody is born knowing hate. It's mm-hmm. taught. Mm-hmm. Then wow. after a certain point of time, it's accepted. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You've chose to accept how you want to be mm-hmm. when you don't have to be. Right. You know? There, there's something about as a guy, I'm aware of people trying to be manipulative with mm-hmm. emotions. Like, and I don't know if you've seen this along the way, but, but whether somebody's trying to convince you to do something or believe something or think something and they'll use the emotion, the emotion of guilt. Mm-hmm. Like to me, like that doesn't work for me. Yeah. Like you can't guilt me into something. Like if you want me to do something, ask me to do it. Yeah. But like, don't be like, oh, well, you're not a good friend. If and I was like, no, no, no. I have plenty of evidence that shows why I'm a great friend. Yeah. But don't put it like this is, makes me a bad friend. Like I have plenty of other, you know, pe- people can testify about the kind of friend that I am. Mm-hmm. Don't put it about like you're not a good friend if or like things like that. I, I could be sensitive and and tell me what you would. It's like for you. But I don't appreciate when people try to manipulate me with my emotions, especially guilt, because guilt doesn't really do much for me. Like that one time I tried to talk to you into buying those LeBron James. <laughs> <laughs> And, and me and you had did the research on how much they weigh, what they look like, the material they're made out of, mm-hmm. if it's going to help us on the basketball court. <laughs> and I went ahead and bought them. You know what I mean? And then I sent you a picture of them. And uh, you were still trying to decide. And you were like, man, I can go buy uh, three pairs of other shoes for the same yeah, price some as Harden, LeBron some James. Yeah, you know, some Harden, some KD. I said, well, yeah, you know, well, you can but you'll never have these. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not the same, Derek. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, it, what did I tell you? I said, man, look, just go do it. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I kept seeing you pictures of different colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some man, orange you know, ones, and, and there's some blue ones. After a while, I'm like, does this dude want me to buy them for him? <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing you is know? you got such a great deal on them. Was it in Corpus? In Corpus Christi. And, and you, you called me and said, hey, I got a good deal. Like, you want me to go back? And I said, yeah, go, go back. But then you couldn't get the same deal again when it came to my pair. Right, right. It was like a $15 difference. But well, I, but... well the, diff- the, the deal was I got a, a, a great deal. You know, I got the military discount. And then they were having a sale on that specific color, uh-huh. the all-white ones. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I went back for my brother uh-huh. to try and help you out. I was going right. to get you a pair. Right, right. But the only size they had was in the fruity pebble color. Right. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And I talked to you in there. Hey, man, they're going to look good. You didn't want the fruity pebble color. <laughs> right, right, But right. you didn't want me to be the only one with <laughs> a pair of LeBron James. You know, and you decided to wait. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, I put a lot of pressure on you, man. You know, <laughs> sending you pictures of mine. You know what I mean? Talking about how good. What are the days I went to your house and you were holding it? You were just like, you know, just like caressing it. <laughs> this guy doing? You have this look that comes over your face yeah. too when you do it. Yeah, yeah. 
Derek, you would not believe what these things feel like when they're uh, on your feet, you know? And and I tease my mom because my mom has this, I think she tried to use the guilt button a lot when we were growing up. Yeah. And I remember like this one like silly story, um, but I think she went to the flea market, which she often did on Sunday mornings. And then she would come back and we hadn't done any tours around the house, mm-hmm. which I don't think she told us to, but she she came back and said, you know, if the house was would have been clean, I would have bought you a PlayStation 2. And then I heard what she's saying, and I'm trying to, like, I, I've probably always been a thinker, like, my whole life. Yeah. And I'm thinking about what she's saying. I'm like, I, I, I just thought it was unfair. And I was like, that, was a, that doesn't seem right. If you if you want to offer us something, offer it and tell us what we need to do. And then if yes. we don't do it. But then she was just yeah. going, she was just letting us know, hey, you didn't meet my expectation that was never communicated. Yeah. And, and I tease her now that I feel like she had used that button on me, so the, the, the guilt button often enough growing up oh, yeah. that I'm like, I don't know if that button got worn out with time. It is does not work yeah. anymore. Yeah. Not yeah. that I don't have guilt about things that I'm actually guilty for, but that's the thing for me is if I'm feeling guilty, I want it to be something that I actually did wrong. Yes. Not for something that somebody else, you know, I didn't meet some expectation that they never communicated right. anyway. Right. Right. So, I got you. Yep. I think the other thing too is uh, like the, the, the emotion of, um, of like when, when bad things happen, I remember at a track meet, I was a junior in, in, uh, in high school and, and, uh, I signed up to do the, the high jump. Mm-hmm. And so I signed up to do the high jump, but, um, and I was on a JV team. So I was a junior. On the J- so you could clearly, I wasn't that great yeah. at, at the event yeah, um, clearly. Or, or even at track period. Yes. So if I'm on JV as a junior, it just says something, but, um, so I signed up and I figured, and at the time I could dunk and I could dunk with two hands. So that was something that I was like, okay, well I, I can jump, you know, for, I, 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 I got some hops is what I thought. Right. Um, so anyway, so I'm going up and they just put the pole up to, to do the event. So I'm running up to, to jump over the pole, but on the way up from the jump, I, I, I nick the pole and then I come down on the pole and then it snaps in half. And then, so I'm feeling like em- embarrassed because they had to cancel the event. There was no replacement pole. Yeah, I can understand that. <laughs> so so when you look in the history books of the junior varsity track meet at East Central High School from 2003, across the high jump event, it says canceled. And it's because I broke the pole. You should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but in that moment, you're like, man, I just want to go hide. I don't want anybody to see me. Yeah. You, know, you have, you know, I had guys coming up from the other schools saying, hey, bro, are you okay? That was like the worst. De- de- is it demasculating? Emasculating? Emasculating? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, 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 felt uh, like don't ask me if I'm okay. <laughs> I, I, I had one of those too, and we talked about it before and made you laugh. Um, I was at the gym, mm-hmm. and uh, it was national bench day which if everybody goes to the gym and works out monday is chest day Monday's it's chest just day. a ritual you yeah, know what i mean yeah yeah so uh i decided you know what i'm gonna get put these four plates on each side up there i'm gonna get this 405 today 405 pounds yeah no problem done it before mm-hmm. you know what i mean but i had recently come off of a good little layoff where mm-hmm. i had let my body just rest you know what i mean mm-hmm. and um i worked back up there you know, I had a new workout shirt on that day, and it just happened to be matching the Jordans I had on. You know, you know, you know what I'm Look good, feel good, be good, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, get all the weights up there, you know what I mean? Knock it out. I'm up to four plates. I turn around after I get done, and, you know, I see people looking out of the corner mm-hmm, of their eye, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, 
I, you know, I, I turned into the rock then, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm giving them the people's eyebrow and everything, you know what I mean? Hey, how you doing over there? You know what I mean? What's going on? Hey, yeah, I'll be with you in a minute, you know? Stuff like that, you know? I'm thinking I'm, you're boosting myself up, you know what I mean? Mm. The problem was uh, there was nobody in the gym at that time. Six o'clock, it was weird. Six o'clock in the afternoon, in there lifting, that I could say, hey, man, come a spot, except mm -hmm. this one little dude. It was about 125 pounds. Oh, man. And I said to myself, uh, I got the weight. I just need him there just in case. Mm -hmm. uh, hey, young man, let me holler at you, man. Yes, sir. I said, uh, you mind giving me a spot? Oh, man, I saw you put that on there. I wish I could do that. <laughs> you know, so now I'm ready to put on another 25, you know what I mean, on mm -hmm. each side. So I get down there, you know, and I can just feel everybody in the gym looking at me. Mm. I get it up, <clears throat> pick it off the bar myself because I got a rule in benching. If I can't pick it up off the bar myself, then I don't have, I should be, I shouldn't be touching it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Pick it up and I bring it over. And it felt a little heavy. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying to myself, just go down and back up. Mm -hmm. So I got it down. And I got about halfway up and I ran into some issues. <laughs> okay. And the issues were I wasn't strong enough to get it all the way up. Uh, so uh, I asked Mr. 125, <laughs> a little help here. Right, right. And uh, what I didn't know, because I was concentrating on lifting weight, he has already had his hands on it, struggling. Mm. So I'm getting ready to pull him over on top of me. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> He's red in the face. So I did end up having to do what they taught us. I rocked it. Mm -hmm. Dropped some of the weights off of one side. Mm -hmm. Dropped some of the weights off. and Boom! Crash! Weights all over the place. Oh. <clears throat> and I get up and I look around and everybody in the gym is, <laughs> is looking. But this time they're not looking like, wow, that guy's getting ready. He's really strong. He's going to lift off. This time they're looking at you fool. <laughs> you idiot. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's like that commercial. You want to get away? Yeah. I just felt like going and just, I didn't go back to the gym for about two weeks. <laughs> because uh, I, I don't want, I don't want to be pinned as that guy. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. But my emotions led me down that path of thinking that I could do something that mm -hmm. at that point in time, mm -hmm. I had no business doing because I took about a month, month and a half off, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So, but needless to say, I'm back up to doing it now. So it's all good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let me so, just slide that yeah, in there real yeah, quick. Put that in there for the audience. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> what's, uh, what's crazy about the emotions of embarrassment and even shame is they are the emotions that most make us want to hide. Mm -hmm. And they most make us want to isolate and be alone. Yes. But the, the thing about it, what I, I've learned with, with the emotions of embarrassment and shame is that the more they're isolated, almost the more they grow. Yes. And but it, but but instead of letting them be isolated and talking about the areas of my life that I, there might be shame and embarrassment connected with and being real with um, a few friends about, hey, this is what's happened in my life. I've seen Nothing quite like the connection that comes from that real, authentic conversation about 
some of the things that I'm embarrassed about right. or that I'm ashamed about from, from my past, things that I've done. And we all have those. We yes. all have those memories and those experiences. Um, but it's, but um, if we can learn even in the shame or in the embarrassment to understand that if we could find trustworthy people, trustworthy people who they're not going to go around and talk. just like we talked about the last podcast. Right. Um, we're not going to go around t- telling anybody else about it, but we, that we can create a, a safe place to land yes. with a few um, trusted individuals in our lives. Yes. Yep. So let's talk about with everything happening um, across the, the country right now. I think an emotion or probably two emotions that come to my mind are being scared and frightened for a lot of people. Um, with with your military experience, what do you think about the, the mass uh, killings uh, in America? I'm glad you asked. Mm-hmm. So this is my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm going to give it to you unvarnished. Mm-hmm. Uh, I personally, in my home, and you've been up to my house, mm-hmm. Okay, probably seen a couple of my trinkets. Okay, <laughs> trinkets. I call them trinkets. Okay, um, I have an AR, and I have an AK forty-seven. Mm-hmm. Um, one two two three one seven six two by three nine. Uh, the AK forty-seven was my brother's, who was also in the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, did three tours. Uh, he came home and he purchased his gun legally, went to a store here locally, mm-hmm. purchased it, um, as well as I did with my AR. And um, we bought him because before he passed, you know, he was killed on his motorcycle. Um, we always said that we were going to go pig hunting together, mm-hmm. you know. And so, um, as you know, I hunt now, you know, mm-hmm. I, I hunted then. Mm-hmm. Um, so I bought it for that. Until somebody says enough's enough, I don't believe anything will change until something happens, which I don't wish, which I'm not advocating for, Mm -hmm. which I'm not giving anybody's idea to go do. But my opinion is nothing is going to happen from these politicians until a tragedy affects them personally Mm -hmm. because the NRA, in my opinion, has put too much money in these people's pockets Mm -hmm. to be on their side. Mm -hmm. Um, You look at the United States of everything it's good for all the diversity, you know, the equality, um, the freedom, your freedoms and everything else. What is the one thing that we're known for? Mm. these mass shootings mm-hmm. you know what i mean and while you can't say well if you just get rid of the ars or these assault rifles it's gonna stop no nobody said that but what it will do is cut down on the number of people mm-hmm. that can lose their lives mm-hmm. when you use one of these weapons mm-hmm. as We've been talking about, as you know, you come in my house and see my pictures, combat arm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I see no reason why anybody would think that they need to have that weapon to make them feel good or 
just to show off or anything else. Mm -hmm. I, I have one, an AR and an AK. And I must say, if they came and said, we're doing a buyback because we want to get these off the streets. Mm -hmm. If I thought that giving mine back would help in diffusing another situation or mm-hmm. prevent somebody else's, I would give mine back. Mm-hmm. And and that's just not talk. That's honest to God. Mm-hmm. They said, well, we're doing a buyback, or even if they're not doing a buyback, we're doing a collection or something. I would go willingly to say, hey, I support what you guys are trying to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, I think that they should be banned. If anybody is in the military, you know, those particular weapons, you know, I got 12 years in military. Mm-hmm. Those particular weapons, we use them all the time. Very familiar with them. Very familiar with what you can do, you know, with those weapons of what they can do. But everybody who buys them hasn't properly been trained. They don't mm-hmm. really know what they can do. They're getting them because somebody else has them and they look cool. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a 57 Chevy. You can go put all kind of accessories on it. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, look at mine. I got this. I got that. I got this, you know. Uh, until the politicians decide that the money that the NRA is giving them for these weapons to keep all this stuff uh, open, no background checks. I heard uh, Mitch McConnell say when he comes back, they're going to talk about a few things. Um, I think the people that have lost their lives and the loved ones that are left that have to go look at their burial and their headstones are tired of you talking. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, it's on both sides. You know, because the NRA has invested in these folks Mm -hmm. to either turn the other cheek or not go against them. Mm -hmm. And it's a shame. Mm -hmm. Me personally, I couldn't be in politics Mm -hmm. because I'm too real. Mm -hmm. I'd end up telling somebody I don't get nobody would vote for me Mm -hmm. because I tell you like it is. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's a shame that we still till today have to be known for this kind of crap with these people getting shot down and killed by these weapons, you know, of, of mass destruction. Mm -hmm. They keep saying mental illness. This guy drove, he said he was driving for 11 hours from Allen, Texas down to El Paso Mm -hmm. and said he got lost. What mentally ill person do you know recognizes he's been driving for 11 hours and he got lost? Mm Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When are the excuses going to stop? When does the life matter more than the money that's going in your pocket? Mm-hmm. And like I said, I don't believe anything will change, unfortunately. Um, you know, they can talk about the background investigations and everything else. You know, the background investigation, that's a start. Everybody needs to have a full background investigation. Um, folks that are mentally ill, of course, they should be labeled or, or you know, after they've been labeled and have seek and sought medical attention and they are mentally ill. No, they shouldn't be able to buy a weapon. Mm -hmm. You know, people who have records for other previous homicides or robbery and stuff, of course, you know, you can't get those weapons Mm -hmm. all in all, when it's all said and done, I'll cut this short. When those people were killed, it wasn't mental illness that was passing through their body. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a background check that was passing through their body. Mm -hmm. It was the rounds of that particular weapon. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And 
I just don't know if you could pull off like the Vegas incident, killing, I think, 59 people, mm -hmm. if I remember right, 59 people. I don't think a 38 special will get you 59 people. Mm -hmm. And if you need protection for the house, that's all you need. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Now, yeah. or a shotgun, I, you know? I remember that uh, when we were camping out of Canyon Lake and we were in the trailer mm -hmm. and then I was about to go go out to uh, sleep in the, the hammock. Yes. And then you had uh, asked me if, uh, you know, they said you guys said you said you want that bur want that burner for protection, and I yes. said, uh, "What's a what's a burner?" <laughs> <laughs> you thought I wanted you to go make me something on the grill, didn't you? <laughs> you said yeah. you said that gun. What you think? And I was like, and, and then you you showed it to me, and I was like, "No, man, I I end up shooting myself." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know. Uh, but but to your point about protection, you know, yes. you, you believe in the, uh, you know having that available, but you don't need this uh, this advanced gun for right. protection. You know, when the forefathers wrote the Second Amendment. You need to realize they were standing there with a muzzle loader. Mm -hmm. Okay. One shot muzzle loader. Mm -hmm. They didn't have an AR-15. Mm -hmm. They didn't have a hundred round drum. Oof. Okay. With this. So being in the military, when you look at a, the cartridge 223, when, when I, I remember when I went into service, the very first time we got issued our weapons. Mm -hmm. The very first time we went to the range, I'm used to watching Rambo and all these movies, and they hand me my magazines, and we start putting the rounds in them at the range. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying to myself, like it was yesterday, I picked up that bullet, I said, you gotta be kidding me, this little thing? Mm -hmm. Until they started explaining how much power this little thing has yeah and what the power and and the amount of powder that's pushing that mm -hmm. and the tumbling action when it hits you get hit in the bottom of the leg and it coming out the top of your shoulder wow you know it's a tumbling ground so you know it's just a lot of things and we won't get into it because you didn't ask me to, to come up here and deliver you on you know an armory survey of <laughs> i know but you know you got me started on this subject i'm sorry folks but I think that until I think that's the the there's three things that need to be done. They need to be done in sequence. Um, you need to start with the background investigations. Universal, no matter what. And I'm an owner. You need to ban them. Mm -hmm. Period. Point blank in the story. Mm -hmm. Okay. You just think about this and then we'll we'll go on. I'll let you ask the next question. This guy in Ohio, there was nine people who lost their lives. Mm -hmm. The police, they say, engaged this guy from the time he started shooting to the time they engaged him was like 20 seconds. Nine people dead in 20 seconds. Wow. Okay. Nine folks dead in 20 seconds. Just imagine if he had a little six-shot revolver or even a handgun that had you know, capacity of 10 and one. Mm -hmm. Do you think he would have been able to get off engaging the police and killing nine people in 20 seconds at the same time? Wow. Okay. It's common sense, but until they get the NRA out of those folks' pocket, nothing to change. Mm -hmm. Got you. And the, the truth is uh, those tragedies are uh, 
they're horrific. Yes. Right. And uh, we, we just don't, we hate to see families um, torn apart mm-hmm. and uh, we hate to see the, um, the devastation that could come from such foolishness. Yes. So as we, as we wrap, wrap here, I know I have one question before we talk about, or before we, we bring it in for a landing, but so we talked about a variety of emotions, talk about embarrassment. Yes. We talk about shame, talk about fear and fright. We even talk about really indignation that we can have toward um, these the, the mass the, the mass yep. shootings. Yep, yep, yep. And then um, let's talk about uh, the the pride in parenting. Um, what makes you proud when it comes to being a parent? Just getting up in the morning time and looking at your children and realizing that they are from you. Mm-hmm. Um, the joy of raising a child. Um, whether, you know, you adopt them or whatever the case may be. Um, myself personally, I don't know of any other way because it's only, you know, myself and my wife Mm -hmm. and our children that, that we've had together and, uh, getting up in the morning time and seeing the smile on their face. And then, you know, just what you do as a kid, kind of hard to remember what you did as a three-year-old or a four-year-old, but Mm -hmm. it's easy to relate when you look at your children running around doing crazy stuff you know what i mean mm-hmm. and you're saying man i hope i wasn't like that when i was a little kid nine mm-hmm. times out of ten you're probably worse right, right you know right. what i mean and uh you know just seeing little things like that i remember when my daughter uh you know she plays basketball now mm-hmm. and uh she's 10 and uh i got her into golf i i introduced her to a bunch of different sports mm-hmm. and then i want her to pick which one she likes mm-hmm. i'm not gonna force anything on her you know what i mean right, right. pick which one you like you think you'd be good at and let's go with that one mm-hmm. and then we'll support you 100 percent. yes when she uh she was practicing putting in the house so she went downstairs and uh she said dad i want to practice putting i said okay go ahead and she's upstairs and i hear the ball hitting the walls and everything else mm-hmm. you know? i was like oh i didn't want to stop her mm-hmm. but you know i had to yell upstairs you know calm down a little bit with that putter you know what i mean yeah right right so I, she runs downstairs and I hear her in the kitchen mm-hmm. and then I hear some plastic like bottles. So mm-hmm. she came downstairs and got an empty water bottle, mm-hmm. cut it about halfway down and was using that as her little hole mm-hmm. in the green, something that she could put into. Right, right. You know, she was serious. Mm-hmm. So I said, uh, did you just uh, make you something to put? She said, yeah, I want to try and put it in this cup. I said, oh, come on. So we went upstairs and in the hallway, she puts the cup in the middle of the hallway and she goes up and she lines up a putt. And I said, okay, let's see if you can make it in there. Mm. Very first time, dude. She puts it, it tracks straight and goes straight into a water Oh, well, let's go. I play golf all the time. I tried 10 times after that and couldn't get close to that. <laughs> Here she is, first mm. putt. And it rolls right into the water yes. bottle. I could not believe it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, you, you just think about little stuff like that, man. And mm-hmm. and you, uh, you know, you, you, you grow up and you see your kids, the joy it brings on their faces. You know, you support them and, and everything else, man. It mm-hmm. makes you feel good as a parent. Yes. You know? It's one of those areas <laughs> where you see the seed that you planted when it comes to this activity, this sport, this hobby for her that she may not have participated in otherwise yes but the influence that you and christina your wife have on their children you're giving them these opportunities these this exposure to be able to participate in golf yeah and then seeing her um 
have this passion for it as well. You know, yep. the passion to, to want to try it out, to create her own hole with the, the water bottle and then to be able to, yeah. to, to knock it in there. It's, it's a special thing. Yeah. I know I relate with, um, six years ago, I was actively involved in, in our, our prison system in the, here in the, in Texas, in the department of criminal justice. And, and I would go and I'll be a motivational teacher in that space. And I'd go to elevate them, encourage them, build them up, motivate them. And, um, and so I was going for a period of time and there's a lot going on in my life. I, I was working full time. Of course, I was newly married. I think I was engaged and then married actually. And then I was in school as well. So a lot was happening. And then ultimately I, I, I knew I needed to pull back some of my efforts volunteering in that capacity. I volunteer in other capacities, right? but, um, but so I was going for for a period, a couple of years from, I think it was like 2013 to about 2015, 2016. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, so I, I stopped going and I, and I focused on other areas, but what's one of the things that makes me proud is seeing these guys, um, committed to a changed life on the inside mm -hmm. and then them come out, um, into the free world to come back into the community and yes. introduce back into society. Um, and then they, they, they reach out to me and um, and sometimes you sometimes you ask I have asked myself am I making a difference are are were my efforts effective yes. in what I was doing there and and this past week on Monday um, one of the guys contacted me and just let me know that he remembered me lessons that I was sharing back then and he just calling this with gratitude and and, and thanking me mm -hmm. for what I was doing there. And then I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I was just encouraged just to hear from him. And I was like, hey, you know, we'll, we'll connect. And I got a chance to to connect with him today. And it was such a it was a special moment for me. And I think, again, I'm not a parent, so right. I don't know the pride of a parent, but I know the pride of seeing your efforts yes. to invest in other people and then remember it and come back with gratitude. Yes. Yep. Yep. So we so we covered emotions today, emotions in manhood. But to bring it in for a close. Um, how are you feeling about the Eagles in their offseason? So, um, for for all those who don't know, diehard Philadelphia Eagle fan. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, my parents are from Pennsylvania, and uh, my dad's actually uh, he was born in Baltimore, but uh, moved to Pennsylvania. My mom is from Pennsylvania, um, Pottstown. Pottstown. Yeah. So um, we grew up in the house with the Eagles. You know. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had their first preseason game last night. You know, they had some good and some bad. I feel pretty good about them this year, uh, where they are at with the additions they've had. Uh, Miles Sanders, the running back. Mm -hmm. uh, Howard coming over from Chicago. Uh, the wide receiving core is a monster now that they've uh, added D-Jax. Uh, you know, um, we've got Goddard for tight end, and then we still got Zach Ertz, who's a beast. My only concern mm -hmm. Is can Carson Wentz stay healthy? Mm. I think as long as Carson Wentz stays healthy, I personally, there are some good teams. So mm -hmm. I'm not saying we're going to walk. Sure. You know, um, because there is no walk to the Super Bowl anymore. Mm -hmm. Unless you're in the AFC East, sorry, division, and you, you know, got the Patriots, mm -hmm. you know, um, Jets, Miami, please wake up, do something about that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we gave you a blueprint on how to beat Tom Brady. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So uh, 
the thing about it is I, I, I like the way they're going, the direction they're going. It's just can Carson Wentz stay healthy? Mm-hmm. If the dude can stay healthy, yes. the offensive line can keep him upright, mm-hmm. then I don't think it's anybody in the NFC that would knock us out of the Super Bowl mm-hmm. from getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think once it comes down to it, I think there's five teams in the NFC to me right now that look like they could all be in the same boat as far as contention-wise. Mm-hmm. And those are Philly. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say the Rams. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say the Chicago Bears, but Mitchell Trubisky's been looking like the uh, dog dump so far in the preseason. So mm-hmm. there's no telling. But just on their defense, I'll give Chicago a nod in. Mm-hmm. Okay. And last but not least in the NFC, if Cam Newton can somehow pull a good season together, man, mm-hmm. I think those five teams are teams to watch out for in the NFC. Oh, that. Look you at know you. what I mean? So putting some names out there. Well, I mean, you know, it's that grew up watching football, played mm-hmm. football, mm-hmm. you know. Um had some experiences at that level. I don't even want to get into that. Okay. Hey, a podcast coming soon. Yes, a podcast <laughs> coming soon, you know. When, when I can deal with that emotionally about talking about it, you know. We'll leave that one alone for I was the day. Wondering show. If it would pop out. We're talking about emotions, you know, it could pop yeah, slip out. Yeah, you know, I, you never know. No, I don't you know, I wanna be able to I don't wanna crawl to my car when it, you know what I mean? Realizing what happened, you know. But uh I, I think those teams are coming along. But I tell you what, um I have a sleeper team in the AFC. Mm-hmm. Who's that? The Cleveland Browns. Oh, okay. The Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns. Okay. You know what I mean? We'll have to come back to this podcast in yes. a few months. Yes, we will. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, you know, we, we won't come back to it if my team is two and five. We'll well, good. If you're tuning in, we're, we're, we're with the, the, this is the Strong Life Coach Podcast where we speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. I'm here with my brother, Kyle Carter, and we're signing out. Signing out. Good to be with you, brother. 